Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast, part of the Action Network and proudly presented by Bet365. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. It is Tuesday afternoon, May 30th, the day after the Boston Celtics lost to the Miami Heat in Game 7. I am joined, as I am for every episode, by my co-host, my companion, my compadre, my BFF, professional better, Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chad. Yes, NBA Finals. Finally. Finally, NBA Finals. Listen, it was, what, nine days between when the Nuggets finished off the Lakers and the Heat finished off the Celtics? We're going to get to that. We're going to have Matt Moore, Action Network senior writer covering the NBA. He's got a couple of great stories already out right now after last night's game, both talking about the Heat and the Nuggets. He is a Colorado-based dude. He knows the Nuggets inside and out. He also had a great story that I want to kick off when we talk to him about are the Celtics one of those teams that – uh, could be considered the most overrated betting team in NBA history. Also co-host of the Buckets podcast, the fabulous Buckets podcast. Simon, before we get to that, Nick Nurse is the new coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. You got a hot take? It's a kind of NBA is going to turn the NHL, right? The NHL, if you have a head coach, you expect that he'll be back in about five years. But by then, you already have six new head coaches on your team, so... The NHL is kind of the extreme where no matter what, eventually your head coach will eventually be back. The NBA is kind of turning that way, right? It's like the old boys club. It's just a rotation of guys. I like Nick Nurse. I think it's a good move. I think you're in the same boat, right? We got 15 weeks, 15 Sundays, I should say, until the NFL starts. These are like the, if you love sports, these are the last really good two weeks, right? We got NHL, we got NBA, and then it's just, it's over. It's just baseball from then on out. So, I'm excited about it. I haven't even really thought about them. I'm still locked in on the NBA, still going all in on hockey. Um, again, I never in my life would think I'd miss Florida, but what a time to be a Florida sports fan. I mean, you literally have two eight seeds in the finals. Um, it's pretty insane. So I would say 
I'm bitter. I'm still in that bitter mode. Like I've been bitter being a little bitch to Boston since they lost. It's fun trolling that fan base because they're so sensitive. Um, same goes with Florida. I hope Florida loses in both finals. That'd be wonderful for me because I'm an East Coast bias and I love talking shit. So Florida, cool story. I hope their hockey team loses and their basketball team. That's that's me as a bitter Philadelphia uh, sports fan. As a reminder, the Favorites Podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, you guys have heard me talk about game time again and again and again. True story, I was just on the app this weekend looking for Mets tickets. Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. I love it. I use it all the time. And if you're looking to get out to a pro or college game this week or even a concert, game time has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. I'm actually in the Game Time app right now from my house here in Connecticut. Lo and behold, I can see the Mets tonight. Gorgeous night on the East Coast. Seven bucks. Don't forget, by the way, this weekend is the Bet365 U.S. Darts Masters at Madison Square Garden. If you have not bet darts, if you have not watched darts, if you have not attended darts, you are missing out no matter where you live. Download the Game Time app. Get out, have some fun this week. You deserve it. And you can redeem code favorites for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, just download the app and enter code favorites for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So we had a little glitch before we came on the air because, uh, Simon, you and I were just bopping our heads to the music and didn't realize it was time to start talking. It's every day I don't get fired, Chad. It's a good day to me. Even when we make small talk now, I make small talk as if there's a camera in my room now at all times. I'm one of those people. I'm completely locked in now. In my <laughs> no joke, man. It's frightening how you have to live that way. So my 16-year-old decided to join Twitter. Nice. He, yeah, he asked me to follow him, and I did. And I was just thrilled that he said I should follow him. The only thing he's tweeted so far are a couple of basketball tweets. And I say to him and his friends who are all joining Twitter and, you know, wanting to do podcasts, I'm like, listen to me. Don't do anything stupid that you think is funny because you have bad sense of humor, you have bad judgment, and anything you do on this platform will come back to haunt you later in life. So last night during the Celtics game, uh, and I want to bring in Matt Moore to talk about this, he was trying to workshop some tweets with me, telling me tweets he wanted to put out about Jalen Brown or about how bad the Celtics are, Jalen Brown turnovers. And uh I rejected every one of them. I'm like, these are terrible. If you're going to do it, be original. Don't be the guy who just says what you're thinking because you think it's interesting. You got 10 followers. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I made a new account when I got hired by you, Chad. I was like, you know what? I don't think people need to see me writing rap lyrics from when I was in high school. Uh, no. That's probably not the move. Going to make a new new profile. I'm telling you, that's that's the way to go. Matt Moore. Let's bring in Matt Moore, Action Network senior writer covering the NBA. He's freaking brilliant at this. Talk about a guy uh, who proves his worth unlike us every single day, Simon. I want to talk about this game last night. I want to talk about your story about the Celtics being the most overrated betting team in NBA history. You said something 
incredibly thoughtful and incredibly prescient when you were on the podcast two weeks ago before the Eastern Conference Finals. We asked you, what does Spo do, Coach Spolstra, Eric Spolstra, do so well? What makes him such a good coach? Describe what you said then and explain what you saw him do in this series, especially last night, that gave them a clear advantage in Game 7. I think there's a lot of things that Spo does well, obviously. It starts from the top in terms of like the heat culture and all that stuff. That really stuff is real in terms of how they approach it. But from a tactical perspective, there's a couple of things that Spo does in particular. One, much like Nick Nurse, actually, Simon, he's not married to his prior concepts. He's not going to go into a series like Doc Rivers does and just be like, this is who we are and this is how we play and we won't change it and we just have to do it well enough and then we'll win. He plays the personnel and the style necessary to adapt to the problems in front of him. So in this series, he needed to get three-point volume. So he went smaller, put the ball more in Caleb Martin's hands, who almost won, probably should have won Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Thank God for me, he didn't. Had a big ticket on Jimmy Butler. But in this series, he was able to, to manipulate. He removes Kevin Love, who was a starter. Kevin Love goes from starter to bench to not in the rotation. Cody Zeller goes from a key part versus the Bucks, not in the rotation. He adjusts to whatever is necessary. And then on top of that, he throws a lot of different coverages out for what he needs to be able to do. Boston has historically had a lot of problems with zone. And so what Spo did in the series was pretty genius. It's not just as simple as like, he used zone. Okay, you, lots of coaches can do that. You have to be able to coach it and execute it well. But here's the other key. He would throw it at them when they were not expecting it. So you start off the game and you're in man-to-man -man and the Celtics try and get comfortable. And then the second quarter, when they're trying to make a push, bam, he hits you with a zone for just a, a small stretch. Goes back to man. You get comfortable with that again. Hits you with zone again the way to interrupt these teams using zone. And he's going to have a big problem with that in the next series is one of the reasons why I think Spo is one of the best coaches in the NBA. He's, he is sick. He is totally sick. I also love his demeanor. You saw such a difference between when the heat are losing and Spo is interviewed, whether it's, you know, before halftime or after the third quarter, he gives a thoughtful answer about that is, that is honest. These guys want to win so bad. These guys are pushing. These guys are tense. Joe Mazzullo, what do you think about Jason Tatum? Got to fight through it. Second question, less than three-word answer. This Celtics team, I just felt like they were made up of, of guys who lead from the front the entire time. They are not a team that handled adversity very well. And in every respect last night, I know Jason Tatum was injured, but he was still playing. And this is a team that had no strategy if they weren't winning the game because all they wanted to do, one pass, break a guy down in one-on-one, -on -one, drive to the basket, turn over the ball. And that, they did that last year in the finals too, Matt. It's not like anything changed no. in the past 12 months for their two key players. Yeah, I think a lot of this too is, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of reframe it a little bit. So you said like they want to play from the front. They don't handle adversity well. They came back from the Sixers uh, against the Sixers down 3-2. They came back last year down 3-2 in a series. They actually respond pretty well when they're absolutely against the wall. But here's the problem is like they mess around so much and put themselves in such bad situations that their margin for error goes to zero. Like this is still the no team has come back from multiple game sevens. Like they can't, it's too much to ask for. And so 
they messed around versus the Sixers and barely got out of that because they faced a team that's actually worse in those situations than they are. And then they run into Miami and they do the exact same thing. Losing game one, okay, teams usually lose after going to a game seven. There's a historical trend behind that. All right. Game two was the one where you got to win that game and they come out flat and they get smacked in that one. That was the one where they really, I think, lost the series where their season ended was game two. Now, they push all the way back from down 0-3 because they were, to be quite honest, the better on paper, more talented team. But they got themselves to a game seven and then it really felt like after Derek White hits that buzzer beater, which by the way, the Celtics blew a 10-point lead in a must-win situation in game six, it felt like they were like, we got it. Crowds behind us, like they could just show up. And Miami was like, no, like we're, we are absolutely prepared to win in this environment. And Boston more than anything is just, if the threes aren't falling, they fall apart. They can't win different ways. If the Celtics can't hit threes, that team absolutely falls to pieces. Their numbers when they shot less than 35% from three in the postseason, the last two seasons is awful. And it caught up with them in a game seven at the absolute worst time but you've got to be able to find different ways to win. Last year, they had the defense to do that. They got away from that process this year, and that's why they're going home. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It just felt like the Celtics last year, you can really tell how big of a difference the coaching was, right? If you go back and watch the film from them last year to this year, defensive schemes is totally different, right? It felt like this year the defensive schemes were different. And then offensively, again, it's not that I want to nitpick about the NBA, but we've seen how these teams kind of trying to do the Golden State mode, right? It's like, well – we're going to become a team that can hit these threes, right? We're going to run plays where you hit these open threes. None of it felt like it was in rhythm. Like, if you go back and watch the Heat last night, all their shots were in rhythm. Like, that's such a big deal. Anyone that shoots, you know how it is. You literally practice these shots. And, um, you know, to me, the the whole thing with Boston last night was just so interesting of, yeah, the Tatum injury was real, right? You saw that kind of shifted that whole game when he got hurt. He really couldn't do much defensively, and he just was trying to tough it out. But the rest of the team just wilted. I mean, Jalen Brown, that was his his career high of turnovers, right? Eight turnovers in a game seven at home. Just bizarre. Even, even when they were up big, the Heat, I still thought, well, Boston will make a run, right? Because they were just shooting so terribly from three, and it just never came. So what is your view on the Celtics team? Like, what are they historically as a betting team? Um, I mean, how do you view them through a prism of, this is a team that had a lot of hype, right? They were the two seed. What were they, minus 400? I think they were minus 400 in this series. They were minus 500 against the Sixers. That went to seven. It's just a team that seemed like they ever underachieved a lot this season. So I just want to know from a historically betting perspective, how do you view this team, Matt Moore? I think they're the most overrated team from a betting perspective that we've seen, that we have numbers on since we have data going back to us. Since 2003, they have the most losses in a postseason as a favorite with eight. They have literally lost the most when favored. They were favored in almost every matchup. And a lot of this is, a, is it puts it into the betting perspective, right? Where if we're going to talk about this from a betting perspective, it's not just like these guys are overrated versus how good they are. It's like, no, no, no. We have numbers. Like, what does the market think? And the market consistently overrated this team. Like we're seeing them as a seven and a half, eight point favorite in these Sixers games at home when clearly the Sixers were able to hang with them. Like at every single spot, there was an opportunity to come back on the other side, especially if you had the money line and make good profit. I went against them after the Hawks series was when I started, first started to be like, uh-oh, because they should have lost one to the Hawks and they lost two. They should have lost two to the Sixers. They lost three. 
And then this one, they should have lost maybe three to the Heat. They lost four. Like, they just went, and they went below. I'll say this. Like, I thought the Celtics were going to win this series because I was like, well, they'll screw around. The best bet on the, here, on the series was Heat plus two and a half. Got a great price on it because of how the market overrated this Celtics team. But even I didn't think that they would actually lose the thing. And yet that's kind of the the thing here is like, Every time that we think that you've gone as low as you can go, Boston went one step lower. And that really cost them what should have been a chance at a return to the finals and at least a shot at an NBA championship. They would have been favored versus the Denver Nuggets. Like, that's not speculation. I talked to bookmakers. Would have been favorites not just because of home court. Even past home court, they would have been favorites in that series versus Denver. They blew a golden opportunity versus an eight seed, a tough-as-nails eight seed, but this is a, a huge wasted opportunity. And if we really look back, it's, an, it's a, an example of how when a when the market either has the liability or power rating on a team that simply isn't commiserate with how the playoffs are operating, you've got an opportunity to fade that side and make a big profit on it. And, and I feel right. like as a Sixers um, fan, oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, just the, the fact that we didn't get Jason Tatum, like, again, the Sixers did the tank. We try to do the whole process, and that was one of the biggest misses, I think. I mean, for me as a Sixers fan, one of the biggest misses ever was trading up, taking Fultz, not taking Tatum. Tatum's been incredible. And so, to me, it's fun to troll Tatum to these Boston fans because they put such high expectations on the kid. He doesn't really live up to him. Again, he's a great scorer. He does a lot of great things, but we just see it time and time again. This team, I feel like you just talked about the bookmakers keep overrating them. So, to me – Man, if you if you had the the gall to keep going against the Heat, you're just dead right now, right? I mean, they've literally we've never seen this before where an eighth seed like this really what were they? I think they were plus seven hundred, plus eight hundred against the Bucks, plus like one fifty, plus one twenty against the Knicks, and then this series they're plus four hundred. It's crazy to think, Chad, they were down three with three minutes to go against the Bulls in a playing game, and now here they are in the NBA Finals. So. Um, this not saying this is one of the most fun seasons ever for NBA, but I feel like this is the dream as a fan of the NBA, right? We want it to be any team needs one or two superstars, and you can have a chance at the NBA Finals, right? And it felt like the LeBron era, not that it took away from that, but it felt like the big three became a thing, right? These last 10 years is all about the big three. You had to get these superstars, right, to make a chance. I, I'm loving this. It's, it's giving me major Dirk vibes, right? It's Jimmy's the Dirk of their team. Um, I, I just, I love it. I just love, I love the way where the NBA is at right now in the sense that it gives you hope. It's all these people are bitching about this playing games. Everyone's bitching about the in-season tournament. I love it all just because it's just, once again, it's exciting where all you need is one superstar and a bunch of role players. You can make this work now. Let me give you some context on how close the heat came from not even advancing in the playoffs. The night I was talking about this last night. I had some buddies over to watch the game and they were with their kids and my kid. And we were, my buddy reminded me, hey, weren't you like at the Yankees game when the Heat and the Bulls were playing? Because he and I were testing at the time. I'm like, yeah. And in the time between the game ending, us leaving our seats and then getting to the subway, the Bulls went from ahead to losing the game. It was like, it wasn't even three minutes of game time. It was basically three minutes of real time between the Heat winning, losing and winning that game. 
now they're going to the NBA Finals. Let's talk about the NBA Finals. Um, the Nuggets opened as minus 360 favorites, which was surprising to me that it was that high given how I thought the public would view the heat. So Matt, you just shook your head when I said that was surprising to me. That's not surprising to you. No, I mean, look, ultimately we, we see kind of the same thing with what we just talked about on the flip side of the Celtics, where they had to keep overrating the Celtics based off of the power rating and where the books had these, these teams on the other side. And the liability is like a, a big factor in this too. Boston picked up a huge chunk of championship liability when they were rattling off wins back in, in early uh, d December and January. Um, similarly, the nuggets took on a lot of money. Like they just have a bigger liability on Denver and Denver's a one seed like Denver's, I'll just say it's like Denver's a better team. They're a way better team. That doesn't mean they can't they they can't lose this series. But Boston was the better team. Milwaukee, I think the Giannis injury changes it and some of their historical stuff. Like it was a really bad matchup, and the Bucks were falling apart. I kind of cronk a little bit of that this season in Action Network. But ultimately, like those teams were better, and the Heat still won. And like Simon said, like that's what we want to see in the NBA is more of this chaos, more of the opportunity for these underdogs. But the Nuggets have to be a significant favorite here. Like they just have to be in part. I'll say this Sharps have been on Denver for years. Like that has been a team that has consistently accumulated a high percentage of sharp moves of money of all the things that, that we track over at action network. We've seen that consistently come through and you've seen line movements go that way. So I'm not surprised at all that the Nuggets opened as a heavy favorite. It's one of the reasons why in the action slack, we were all, not rooting, but like Boston would have been a preferred betting outcome because we would have been able to get the Nuggets at a plus number versus we knew we were going to have to pay the juice and really get squeezed if we were going to bet Denver in this matchup. Um, and you're seeing that now. So I'm not surprised that an eighth seed who had it, by the way, they are the first, there has never been a team with a regular season minus point differential to win the NBA championship. The closest was the 78 bullets. The Heat were outscored in the regular season. That's how rough they were from a mediocre perspective. So I don't think there's a way for odds makers to adequately kind of put the number to a place where how it feels to us right now. But you also have to remember, Miami did go seven with this Boston team. Miami did have a 3-0 lead and it went seven. It did take them going on the road in game seven and the Celtics completely falling apart. So like this Heat team is far from a juggernaut versus if you look on the other side, Denver's resume is tough to pick apart. They went five with the Wolves. They went six with the Suns after Devin Booker literally shot 80% over two games, closed them out in dominant fashion in game six on the road, and then swept the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. So I think it's difficult to be able to get to a power rating that feels closer, but I also don't necessarily know that the numbers on this series are wrong from a book perspective. Now, is that a coaching mismatch or is this, in your opinion, are these both these coaches pretty equal where Spo doesn't have a huge edge like he did in that Celtics matchup or is this, you know, more spread out than we realize where Spo actually does have a leg up on, you know, this Denver team, which like you just said, Denver is very good, but have they been tested where, I mean, it feels like the Heat have been tested for two months now. So to me, I definitely give a mental edge, it feels like, to the Heat. But I would love to hear your perspective on this. 
Yeah, I'll say this. that I worried a lot about the Nuggets' mental perspective and, and coaching was a big question mark for a lot of folks uh, here in Denver, but Michael Malone's been awesome. He's had the edge. Part of this too, and I've talked about this on um, the show before, it's about when you make adjustments. You don't want to be the first one to have to throw stuff out, and we saw that versus the Suns where they're just flipping guys in and out of the lineup, in and out of the rotation, trying to do everything. The Lakers, same deal. They're just throwing stuff out there, trying to catch up with Denver. Denver has waited and been able to get to their adjustments later and talking to coaches um, throughout my time in the league. Like that's a big advantage. You want to be, you don't want to be the first one to adjust. You want to be the last one to adjust. So you have the final answers. When you, when you get to the end of the road, you're the one that makes that last tweak to things. Um, look, Spo's a better coach. Cause I think Spo is the best coach in the NBA currently with Greg Popovich coaching, you know, a rebuilding team. The best team coach in terms of contending right now is Eric Spolstra. Like that's the best coach in the league right now. I think it's Spo and then Kerr, and then we can talk about everybody else. But the difference here is that Spo went against Mike Budenholzer, who is definitely a, we do what we do and we don't change anything guy. Then he went against Tom Thibodeau, who is literally the best coach to fade in the NBA playoffs. That's what we've discovered in Bet Labs. And then he faced Joe as the action slack. I started calling him Joe Mozzarella, which is not fair to old Joe, but rough series, rough playoffs. Joe was put in a very difficult situation being thrust into this position basically two weeks before the season. It's hard for me to blame Joe Missoula. That said, like that coaching mismatch was massive. This is a massive. Like this gets into Spolstra has fewer options at his disposal in terms of personnel. He has more ways to use them. Malone has better personnel, a few more players that he can use, and he's got a number of ways that he can use them. Can Spo figure something out? Like, there's a lot of the conversation where this gets to, which is just like, well, Spo will figure something out. And even Spo would tell you, and like, you can go back and listen to his comments about Jokic in particular. It's just not true. Like, there's some stuff that he can't figure out. They don't have a solve for Nikola Jokic in the series. They do not have one. They're not going to figure out Nikola Jokic. They got to figure out everybody else and hope that they can hit threes. But as far as the coaching advantage, Spoh does have an advantage. I just don't know that it's enough of one to make up for the gaps in the other areas. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. As a reminder, every week you can catch us recording the favorites live on AMP, the new live radio app that lets you chat with our crew while we record the show. You can get AMP on Apple's App Store and then follow at the favorites there to get notified when we go live. 
because after we sign off from this show, we finish every AMP session with a special trivia prize only available to our AMP listeners. So check it out. You had a really good story that came out early this morning about the most important players in the Heat's uh, in the Heat Nuggets NBA Finals. It was really interesting and surprising. Do you know why I think it's surprising? Because I have Jimmy Butler, I think fifth on the list. Uh, 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 uh. Tell people, <laughs> tell people your top three most important players in the Heat's Nuggets Finals. So number one is Nikola Jokic. Uh, if Jokic isn't great, then the Heat lower that margin for error and they get closer. Okay. If Jokic isn't good, it drops below. If Nikola Jokic does have a bad series, which he has not, he's been the best player in the NBA playoffs and the most dominant player in the league. If he has a bad series, the Heat can win the series. It's not for sure. Jokic can have a bad series, and if the Heat shooting regresses, then Denver can can eke this out in unimpressive fashion. Uh, but Jokic is number one. If Jokic doesn't have a good series, everything changes. If he has a great series, I don't know how Miami is going to be able to keep keep this competitive. Uh, two is Jamal Murray, because that's going to be the pressure point for the Heat. The Heat are going to try and wear him out. The Heat are going to try and target him defensively. The Heat are going to try and limit what he does, because they're going to try and get it to where Jokic can score 30, 35, 40, if we can keep him under seven to six assists. If we can keep him under that mark, we're okay, but we can't let Jamal Murray also average 30 as he did on 50, 40, 90 splits versus the Lakers. Teams have been really surprised that Jamal Murray has been the guy that he was in the bubble, but he has been awesome for them. And so he's a big pressure point in this. When Murray struggled in the Sun series, those games were much more competitive in game two, three, and four. Murray settled down in five and six, and the Nuggets won those games easily. Uh, they're also going to put a lot of pressure on defensively. So Murray's in a big question mark there as well. Number three is Caleb Martin. Caleb friggin' Martin, who averaged under 10 points in the regular season and versus the Boston Celtics, averaged 19 points and six assists on 60% shooting from the field and 49% shooting from three-point range. If Caleb Martin is able to be that guy again for Miami, okay, now that he'd have some firepower because Jimmy's going to do what Jimmy does. Like Jimmy's going to have great games and Jimmy's going to have games where you're like, where was Butler at? Their key is going to have to be Caleb Martin being the guy that is able to step up and provide some more offense because I don't think you can rely on Bam Adebayo, particularly with what he's got on his plate defensively. So it's going to have to be Caleb Martin taking advantage of how the Nuggets are going to have to send help towards Butler and Adebayo and Martin punishing these teams, especially if the Nuggets don't stay attached to him the way the Celtics didn't. I think Caleb Martin is the most important player for the Heat because they got to find offense to make up the difference. Yeah, That's Caleb Martin, though, good. I was just going to say real quick, Chad, he is the definition of bet his under point total every game in this series. He literally went over it all seven games last series. Basketball is weird like this. People get in rhythms. His rhythm will be broken, right? They have seven days off here. He has a lot of time to think, too. He wasn't thinking these last two weeks, right? It was just a game, a day off, a game, a day off, a game, a day off. I love him to fade him. Yeah, he had two days rest, but you know what I mean. It's just – it's one of those where he had a nice run against Boston. I completely see him being a nice fade in this upcoming series just because we see it time and time again. 
Yeah, he, he had an incredible run. I think the Nuggets are going to see the same exact tape, right? They're going to be like, okay, we'll make someone else beat us with these threes because against Boston, if you go back and watch, all these three-pointers were catching shooting rhythm. It was one of those where either it was in transition, they're coming up the floor, he kicks out to the right, they kick it out to him, he just shoots it in rhythm. I think the Nuggets will be able to stop those kind of things. So I, I love what you're saying because, to me, you're right. Like, the Heat, if they're going to win it, he's got to be one of the guys that steps up. I just can't see him doing it again. It's like he, he kind of used up all of his magic against his Boston team. We expect him to come back down to earth. There's a reason his point total was eight and a half most of those games against Boston, right? The books aren't dumb. They're, they're waiting for him to come back down to earth. So, to me, I, I was talking to a couple of pros after that game last night, one of their favorite guys to fade in this upcoming, upcoming series is Caleb Martin's total. So, if, if, his, if his over-under is ten and a half points, I'm going to be on that under for sure. Well, Matt – to take it back to what you were saying about one of Spolstra's gifts as a coach is he is fluid, right? He will take whatever is in front of him and make a system that matches or finds the weakness or plays to his team's strength. Cody Zeller out of the lineup, Kevin Love out of the lineup, Duncan Robinson has barely been playing this season. All of a sudden he's central to the heat success against the Celtics. Tyler Hero potentially coming back by game three in this series, to Simon's point, what are the adjustments? Who gets most impacted? What players get most impacted, positively or negatively, for the Heat, where we could find some player prop betting opportunities? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think um, Bam Adebayo is going to have at least opportunities in this series. Now, Bam tends to disappear for long stretches, and that's where you get concerned. But what Jimmy Butler is going to do is he's the Nuggets will switch everything except with Nikola Jokic. So if he puts if he's got the ball and he wants to target Michael Porter Jr. and MPJ's guarding Caleb Martin, they'll run that screen to get MPJ on him, and then they'll run it back with Bam screening with Jokic defending. And Bam's going to have opportunities because the only way that the Nuggets can really play defensively with Nikola Jokic and pick and roll is playing at the level. So there's two guys on the ball, which means that if you have your big man, your screener slipping middle, you're going to have opportunities there. Butler's going to be that screener sometimes. They'll run that action too. So I think Butler assist in the series is probably going to be one that I would look for the over particularly because I think that they're going to make him into a passer and that's going to open up some opportunities. But Bam Adebayo is going to have short range, small jumpers, and those are shots that coming in rhythm those are shots he can make. Those are shots that he can hit. That's an opportunity where Bam could actually have an impact on the offensive end. The problem with Bam really is like sometimes like you just you can't understand his shot process. Sometimes he's like confident and steps into it and is great. And then sometimes he's just like, um, I don't know. Um, no, let's keep it moving. And it's just like, guy, you like you you had space there. You gotta take that shot. Uh, I think Bam's one that's gonna be open. Gabe Vincent might be an opportunity to play the over. I'm actually gonna be looking for Highsmith, who I those will be late props that are added very, very late. And you may not even see them until game two. I think Highsmith's going to have to play in this series because the Heat are at such a size disadvantage. They're going to want to get as much muscle out there as possible. They need athleticism. So I think Highsmith is maybe an opportunity to play some overs because there'll be a low point total, low three-point total, all those type of things. I think there's an opportunity there to play those. Other than that, like it's hard to predict. Could it be Gabe Vincent? Could be. It was Gabe Vincent in the Heat series and the Buck series, or in the Celtics series and the Buck series, but not versus the Knicks. Is it Max Struess? It was more Max Struess in the Knicks series, but not so much in the other two. We kind of have to see 
where Spolstra thinks that he can get the advantage. But I will say that like there aren't good options here in general based off of what they're facing, trying to balance on the offensive and defensive side of the floor. Bam Adebayo at times in this series rivaled Jalen Brown for looking like he was playing in oven mitts. So frustrating to watch. Both of them frustrating to watch. Um, All right, so potentially Jimmy Butler assists over. Potentially Bam points over. Look for those opportunities. When we think about the series, are there any bets right now? Game one, uh, Nuggets are eight and a half point favorites. Line opened at two and a half. uh, The total opened at 218 and a half. Got bet up by professionals to 219 and a half. Uh, Simon, what have, have you played anything so far? Yeah, I did. I did the lazy bet of I took Nuggets minus one and a half for the series. So I took them to win in six, hopefully. Um, again, I, I love everything about what Miami has done. I feel like Matt, Matt just touched on it, right, where I kind of like to take the best player in these matchups in the finals, right? It's kind of not that it, it's based off Kobe. But it is like back in the day when Kobe was making those runs, it was always like, okay, am I really going to go against Kobe in the NBA finals? And I've kind of stuck to that where it's like, if I have a generational talent, I usually like to back them. And then if that generational talent has a better team around them, like Kobe did all those runs, right? He had the Gasol, he had Bynum when Bynum was really good. He had the pieces around him. I feel like the Joker has that right now. It's like, if this was, I agree with Matt, if this was Boston, I probably would have been looking towards Boston in this matchup. They just had the better team. They have the more complete team than Denver does. In this matchup, I know Matt Moore sent this little message that is the Heat really an eight seed, right? They probably should have been a three seed because they won their division. I don't really view them as that, though. I don't really view them as a team that should have been a three seed. I do think they were where they should be. Like, they are an eight seed. They were really bad during the season. They had some really bad stretches. And, yes, they've kind of figured it out here at the point. But I just think Denver's been the best team from – October until now, right? They've just all throughout the season, through the highs and lows, Denver was just consistent, really good. To me, the biggest advantage was Denver at home. So if if I'm betting them, I'm taking them at minus one and a half. I think it's minus 150 in most books for the series, them to win in one, uh, six games. But again, you got, you got guys like Chad. I know, Chad, you like the heat. I think people will come on the other side. So if you're a little worried about it, you can wait it out this first game because it's really going to be a feeler, right? This We always see the first game is such a feeler where anything could happen. I, I wouldn't be shocked that either side blew out the other side, right? If the Heat won big, I wouldn't be shocked because Denver's just been doing what for – I mean, you just said they had 90 days off from their last thing. Now they have another week on top of that. So that's 16 days between their last game and the first game of the NBA Finals. That's a long time between two two really, you know, you're going from sweeping a team to now you're being thrown into the NBA Finals. Compared to the Heat, they're going from a game seven to whatever, six days off, and now they're back into game one of the NBA Finals. I just think that's a big advantage to the Heat, but I just like Denver in this series, Jack. Hold on. Hold on. First of all, I don't even know where you're getting your math on these days, but like they got two, ga- two days between the end of the Celtics series and the beginning of the finals. I said the and, Nuggets had 16 days off. The Nuggets had 16 right. days off. But they don't have 16 days off. They got that ended. It's like, uh, wow, it's pretty close, actually. Um, yeah, I but just also, did simple math. I you said it ended nine days ago. 
<laughs> I haven't I haven't declared that I like the Heat in this series. I you actually did on the I, last I think show that, we did together. You literally said I like the Heat to beat the Nuggets. You said it on our last show. What do you want from me? I have a good. Memory. I want Matt Mitchell to find the tape and bring it back. Because <laughs> I don't think I would have said that. I can't. I can't say that because I actually love both of these teams so much. And unlike NFL betting, where I don't bet any emotion at all, NBA betting, emotion comes into it for me because I want to root for the team that I'm betting on. I'm much more of an amateur when it comes to NBA betting. I realize I'm setting myself up for anyone to say I'm an amateur at all times. But <laughs> I don't know. Like, I love the narratives for both of these teams. I love Jokic. I love Jamal Murray coming back. I love the Heat. I want Jimmy Butler to win an NBA title. I want Spolstro to win an NBA title without LeBron. So it relies on sort of his coaching genius. Matt, what do I do here? To me, it's Nuggets. I also bet, I like how uh, Simon was like, the lazy bet. It's the best value because it does give respect to the Heat. You're basically paying the juice on giving the Heat enough respect to get two games. I think there, there's probably a little bit of value on Nuggets minus two and a half on the series spread, honestly. Matchup is a nightmare. If you guys want to know how bad it is, NBA.com's got matchup data going back to the last three seasons, and it could be a little bit wonky in context but if you look at what Nikola Jokic has done when matched up with Bam Adebayo I'm not kidding you these are his numbers per 42 minutes of play Jokic has averaged I'm not kidding I triple checked this math he's averaged 50 points and 25 assists per 42 minutes of matchup time okay even if you're like well that's ridiculous no. you're right that's no. not going to average 50 25 my point though he just got done moving through Anthony Davis like water and Bam is smaller. They can't handle this matchup. And Denver's got a lot of advantages here. Plus, the home court has been great for Denver, where they're undefeated and been great all season. We talk, you, we've talked a lot about the rest and the, and the differences here. Home teams with more rest in game one of the finals are seven and two straight up and against the spread. Road dogs off of a since, game seven. Since when? In, in these playoffs? 2003. In, in... Since 2003. Okay in the playoffs road dogs off a of game seven and since 2003 are 11 and 25 straight up 17 and 19 against the spread if you get past the semifinals if you get in conference finals or finals it's five and 14 straight up nine and ten against the spread and this is what we call the raheem palmer trend from our former colleague at action network now at the ringer with the Celtics loss to the Heat, teams that win a game seven are now 36 and 50 in the following series altogether since 1988 for the series. It takes it out of you. We just do not see these teams come back. Denver's a, if the Heat, if you think the Heat are going to shoot better than 43%, which is what they shot versus Boston, and they shot 45% from three versus the, the Bucks. If you think they're going to do that again, you should bet Miami plus two and a half. If you do not think that they will do that, you need to be on the Nuggets here. I can't give out any other analysis. They're the better team with the best player with a matchup advantage and home court versus a team off game seven. If we take out, if we take the names off the jerseys, I said this before that, that Nuggets series versus the Lakers, when I took the Nuggets, you take the names off the jerseys. One team is has matchup advantages here. I'll take Nuggets minus one and a half, but I'm just going to tell you if Simon's right and the public comes in on Miami, I'm going to be on Nuggets minus two and a half as well. All right. So 
We like Jimmy Butler assists. We're thinking about Bam Adebayo points over on both of those player props. Uh, Simon and Matt both like the Nuggets minus one and a half. I probably like that too. I'm just emotionally not ready to commit because I'm such a huge fan of the Heat, the Heat culture, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler. Like, I love watching Jimmy Butler play. I just, the, the, the way the Heat were able to come back from 10 down in that game six in the final three minutes, and the way the Celtics were not able to make it a game in game seven is the epitome to me of how those coaches and how those players handle their business. Let me throw out one long shot MVP who is my favorite memed player on TikTok who never passes the ball. Michael Porter Jr. 100 to 1. Because if he goes crazy, he's got a great stroke. A great stroke. If he goes crazy, he could he could dominate a couple of games. I think playing MPJ overs on threes is a good call here. I was looking at the size of the heat. Caleb Martin's 6'5". Highsmith is 6'5". They have almost no dudes over 6'5". You know who's also 6'5"? Austin Reeves. You know what happened when Austin Reeves would match up on MPJ? He treated him like a ball rack. He just shot over him. The problem I think you're going to find, though, Chad, is like historically, and we I think last night's game is a perfect example of this. What more does Caleb Martin have to do to win Eastern Conference Finals MVP? but he didn't like the best yeah. players with the most points win these awards. So as much as I love the idea of an MPJ or a Jamal Murray or an Aaron Gordon or a Caleb Martin winning finals MVP, cause it would be such a cool story. It's not what happens. These, the people that vote on it know who are the most integral pieces to these teams. If MPJ has a huge scoring series, Guess how he's getting buckets off of Jokic passes, which is only going to make Jokic look better. So I, I don't think we can get there on MVP, but I will say I like where your head's at in terms of MPJ having a big series. He's going to have a lot of scoring and rebounding opportunities against a smaller Heat squad. Do you feel like Bruce Brown has the prettiest finger roll since George Gervin? You know what? Uh, to to because you guys are such a, a football show, um, I've started every time that he his entire offense in the nba playoffs he gets the ball off of a stop and just runs straight line to the other end to get that finger roll i've started calling it fullback dive because there's nothing complicated about it the teams absolutely know it's coming it's goal line formation they're absolutely going to run this fullback and it's just every single time he's diving straight at you and no team is every team is still confused in transition like i don't know is it play action no you idiot they're definitely running fullback dive Every single time with, with Bruce Brown, it's been amazing. He's been such a joy. He's been the third best Denver Nugget throughout the NBA playoffs. He's awesome to watch. Um, Simon, you got anything anything we want to ask before I let Matt go? No, I just would harp on what he talked about though in game sevens. I mean, he made a great call the last time we had him on about what happened. Boston played the Sixers in the game seven, and then they went home and hosted the Heat at home in that first game. The Heat beat them, right? At They beat them on the road. So Heat are in the same spot here. Yeah, Matt and Mitchell just sent it to us. They played Thursday. So I don't know why in my mind I thought they didn't play until Sunday. That's a pretty quick turnaround, right? They, play, they played Monday night now. They flew to Denver. They're going to let their bodies get used to the, what is it, the altitude in Denver. That's a lot. I mean, to me, 
the Heat and the Celtic both looked cooked at the end of like in the third quarter. Both those teams seemed like they were dragging. That's a lot to ask these team this team to turn around and now go play a Denver team that's just been resting. So I'm kind of feeling even better now about my bet on Denver minus one and a half. It just feels like the Heat aren't in the same spot they were against Boston team. They kind of had that rest advantage. It's flipped the other way here. Denver's got the rest advantage and they are the best team at home this season. People, they're it's not even close either. They have by far the best record at home. I think the only time they lost Ray was that Mavericks game like three months ago. I could be wrong, Matt Moore, but I just I feel like they haven't lost at home in months. So to me, Denver at home, game one, it's a big spread, but I'll, I'll most likely be on the minus eight. I'm on them for the series. So I am clearly all in on Denver to take this one. Reminder, the final start June 1st, 8.30 on ABC, 8.30 Eastern. I want to wholeheartedly thank whoever's decision it was, the NBA, TNT, ABC, to be starting all of these conference title games and NBA title games at 8.30. It is, it is a game changer for me. Last night, to be able to go to bed by 10.45, it, it's so <laughs> healthy. I cannot tell you how much more enjoyable it is for me to be able to watch every single game. Reminder, the Favorites Podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. This has been The Favorites, the podcast, part of the Action Network format. More, you can listen to him on Buckets, the podcast. You can read his stuff in the Action Network app or at actionnetwork.com. For my BFF, my companion, my compadre, my co-host, Simon Hunter. For our producer, Matt Mitchell. I am Chad Millman. Download the podcast from Spotify, from Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts rate review subscribe that's the most important thing you got to subscribe and leave us five stars say whatever you want feedback here's a gift until next time love you action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.